You're listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. Welcome to another episode of Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. I'm Christine, and joining me today are... Hi, I'm Christina. Hi, I'm Rhiannon. So uh, we are picking up on a little topic that came up during our three-year anniversary podcast, which is the whole concept of what all these rumors about what, it, you know, a soft reboot, what kind of future uh, are we looking at for this show or for like a possible return and, and what, it, what does that mean? So we wanted to just spend some time discussing sort of the concept, uh, concept of a reboot, what it means, how it compares to what you might see in the comics and what it might mean for us. And, uh, and yeah, just have kind of an interesting conversation about it. But um, before we start, we should probably maybe even try to, you know, define what a reboot is. Uh, if we go to a fine source, if it's, you know, popular culture, uh, Urban Dictionary, uh, the first definition of a reboot is to start anew with fresh ideas in a way that is consistent with the principles of the original, but not unnecessarily constrained by what has taken place before, which uh, is not as funny as some of the uh, Urban Dictionary definitions tend to be, but it's it's quite uh, quite apt for our purposes here. Uh, I guess, I mean, one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this is like just kind of a, some of the rumors that have been swirling around and maybe not to address them specifically, but... Um, what are your guys' thoughts about when when uh, sort of the soft reboot conversation comes up? Well, you know, when I first heard this rumor about a soft reboot, I'm going to admit ignorance and say, well, I, I thought, okay, what does that mean? I knew reboot, got it. I knew renewal. I knew revive. I did not know what a soft reboot meant. And I once again went to some dubious sources on the internet and found a, a couple one of them I found in uh, Quorum, which was a soft reboot is a continuation of an established movie series that ignores certain events from that series. I also saw something else that said soft reboot follows pre-existing story while still starting anew in many ways. Hard reboot, in turn, allows any kind of changes and doesn't expand the old canon. So... It's interesting that soft reboot, that whole phrase seems kind of nebulous and it doesn't seem like it's really easy to define. But from if you look at just like kind of all of these different definitions, what it seems to say is that uh, certain aspects are going to be the same and certain aspects are going to be different. I think that's a great point. And I think that's a great summation of it. Some things will be the same, some things will be different. You know, soft reboot to me makes. Like, I don't know why I immediately, like, soft reboot, I was like, okay, it's, you know, the same the same characters and the same tone or, you know, maybe even a slightly different tone. But, you know, same characters, but maybe not the whole same history, not the same questions to be answered. So I went out and I started searching, rather than definitions, for examples. And I think the reason that this is so hard to wrap our mind around is... It's not really something that happens in television much. You know, Christina, even what you found was in movies, you know, like a movie franchise soft rebooting, but we don't see it in television. We see hard reboots, 
uh, like this next year, they're doing a Save by the Bell. They've done Battlestar Galactica. Uh, you know, you see all kinds of those, but you don't frequently see a soft reboot in television. But you see it all the time in comics. You could essentially look at every time a new writer takes over a comic as somewhat of a soft reboot because they're going to forget details from the past. They're going to, you know, have a certain tone. They're going to go a certain way. So I think it's very easy to think of from a comic standpoint. So I almost think of it as you have a different artist coming at the 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 material, but it's the same essential character. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, also, I mean, I, I came to the show from the comics originally, and you see this a lot where, I mean, one interesting thing about the comics is that on paper, canon, it's always canon. Like everything that happened kind of always did happen, even though some of it is stuff like, really, did that really need to happen? My favorite example is always the, the, the weirdest issue ever, which is a, the, the second issue of the comic where where uh, Daredevil is sent uh, into space and then lands in Central Park by listening to the absence of heartbeats. It isn't actually, it's an absolutely ridiculous story that I like to prefer to pretend it never happened, but technically it did. But I mean, of course, you know, uh, 40 years down the line or 50 years, like no one's going to ever have to to address that. And especially in comics when you have, when canon gets extremely convoluted, which it does over, over many decades, that can be, I mean, I know in the DC universe, they, they do actual sort of hard-ish uh, reboots quite frequently to kind of keep the the record or the canon uh, less convoluted um, and so on. But but it's really, yeah, even though the comics are very different ways of just sort of addressing things that supposedly happened in the past. Of course, with our show, we have something that is very uncluttered. You know, it's a brief three seasons of a, of a television show that is sort of nice and clean. Not that it doesn't contain contradictory things in it. Uh, it, it sort of does. Uh, I think even that the fact that um, there's even a weird kind of time gap in the show where it's like exactly how many years ago were they in college and when did they start the firm? I mean, they're all, all of these kinds of, of those sort of glitches in the matrix that are interesting. Uh, and even that there's a slight sort of retro retcon kind of thing with Father Lantum. Uh, in season three and so on. So even in the show, we're seeing some of, you know, some of this stuff kind of being flexible, uh, even in just three seasons of a show. I think that's a great point um, that, you know, even though Marvel Studios has a continuity, a person in charge of continuity, I can't remember what the exact title is, they screw up. There's the big um, far from home five years earlier or something like that. Or, you know, there's like a, a a thing and somebody asked Feige about it and he was like, uh, yeah, we just screwed up. Like, you know, there's there's changes in continuity even when you go on a complete path. So uh, but usually or hopefully, you know, when you have a chance to sort of just only be bound to the continuity you want there's room for improvement. I mean, I'm trying to put a positive spin on all of this because I know a lot of our fans are nervous about this. You know, we obviously all want to see Maggie and Matt and just how that relationship grows and everything. But even if we don't get to see that, there could be improvements to things that were lacking. That is, that is so true, too. Um, and I think also from Marvel's point of view, since they are, if hopefully Charlie comes back as Daredevil, it will necessarily be in things that are Disney 
slash Marvel stuff, such as, you know, the movies, their own television shows. It's going to be it's going to be separate. It's going to be on a, you know, if it's on a streaming on the Disney Plus streaming platform, that's a different platform than Netflix. So they are obviously going to want to not rely too much on everyone, every potential viewer having seen the first three seasons. To, I mean, yes, if it makes sense to reference something that has come before, um, you know, to create kind of a richness around the character, that's a great, that's great. But they will want to not be too bound by the, you know, this notion that people have seen all of what has come before. So for them, it, it makes sense to do this. And I think also too, it can be sort of a, a clean slate in terms of like, maybe looking back on the shows or on the first uh, three seasons and it being sort of like, Yes, this was something we really liked. We absolutely, this should, you know, move over <laughs> to whatever uh, new project uh, Daredevil might appear in. Or some things we could just kind of forget about. Like, personally, the world on fire. Something that I think they even forgot about because it was only in, in one episode in season one. And I did not, I was not a, a big fan of that effect. Maybe come up with a different effect that's better. Something like that that could be a point of improvement. I think that, Marvel is not made up of idiots. The people who are at Marvel are very smart and they're very savvy as to what's going on. And they are in a position where they're probably thinking to themselves, here I am saying that like I have ESP or whatever. But what they're probably thinking is how can we bring in a brand new audience and not royally piss off the audience that this show already had? So my feeling is by doing a soft reboot, they could put themselves in a situation where they cannot really mention what happened in those first three seasons without having to directly contradict it. I think that that is something they can do. I don't know if it's something they will do, but I think it's possible. Like we could very well have a scene with Matt and Foggy arguing, because come on, they argue, and uh, having Foggy saying, Matt, don't keep something from me again and just leave it. And have the new audience go, okay, clearly they have a history where he has kept things from him. And we would go, oh, we know what he's talking about. There is no reason for them to say, you know, Matt, don't keep something from me again. Like that time you kept from me that you were the mad in the mask and I walked into your apartment and you were bleeding half to death in the living room. That's not necessary. They really don't need to do that. Or even it could be more of a um, don't disappear on me again. You know, without having to blatantly, don't make me worry that you're dead again. You know, like, there's all kinds of things like that that can give the character richness from day one when it enters the Marvel Universe and be satisfying for the longtime fans, but not overly confusing for those that have never watched it before. We have no idea what rumors are true, but there seems to be very solid rumors about Spider-Man. You know, it could even be in that, you know, like, oh, I've I've represented really bad people before or, you know, like there could be a Punisher reference or something like that that just sounds offhand like any attorney would say it, but not openly referencing, you know, oh, here's whole season two of Daredevil. Very good point. And I think uh, another thing that puts us in, in a, a good position going forward is that uh, I know some people have been like, oh, you know, but we don't need any more of the show because season three had such a you know, perfect ending. It was a perfect way to end the, end the series, which, of course, all of us are like, no, we want more. But they do have a point in that it came to a very nice conclusion as sort of like a first chapter of this or even like the first book in a book series or something where it's like where it continues on. Like it was a nice kind of a, a nice close to like the first chapter. 
which means that it it these characters were left in a position that is perfect for the kind of like soft reboot, whatever exactly that'll mean uh, in this case. But but where it is a perfect you know perfect point to start something new uh, because it was a conclusion of one storyline and now it could be the beginning of a new storyline uh, with a nice clean uh, clean sort of break. But like you said, like things have happened before. We don't need to reference everything. This could be a perfect example of uh, how you how you do uh, show, don't tell. No, it's like you said, we don't need all of that exposition about like, well, exactly this happened. <laughs> um, it could just be, I mean, especially whenever you're watching a work of fiction, you're looking at characters that even though they're fictional characters, you come into this person's uh, fictional life, but with the assumption that, you know, he or she's had a history. <laughs> So, um, so it's the same kind of thing here. So I do think it can can be done quite smoothly, and that we probably shouldn't be too concerned about the huge risks here. And this is something I would love to hear the two of your opinions on this because I was thinking about um, this is not a perfect example because this is not what we want. But I'm thinking about the MCU version of Spider Man. Of course, they got a new actor. We are absolutely against that. Uh, we don't want to see that happen with Daredevil, but when they introduced his character, they skipped the whole, he was bitten by a radioactive spider. They skipped Uncle Ben being killed. And I think the reason they did it is like, unless you've lived under a rock, you already know this. I mean, um, my kid who had never read a comic and never seen any of the Spider-Man films knew that Spider-Man got his power by being bitten by a radioactive spider. Like it's just part of the popular culture. And they made the decision of, we're not going to even do that. Um, we're just going to start and and tell a story. Do you think that the Daredevil mythology is well known enough that they do not have to do an origin? I mean, obviously, Daredevil is not as well known as Spider Man. Obviously, I mean, I where I grew up uh, in Sweden, uh, I had never heard of Daredevil until the Daredevil movie came out in two thousand and three, where Spider Man was famous. I'd read Spider Man as a kid. Uh, his um, he uh, his comics were translated into Swedish, as was Superman. Uh, I read Superman comics as well. Uh, I had never heard of Daredevil. Uh, I know it, it was actually the the comic was uh, translated for a few years during the Frank Miller years in the eighties, but that's about it. However, I I think that both with the existence of the show, even to an extent, the existence of, you know, even the Daredevil movie way back when, and also the fact that I think with this type of like what they're doing, you know, MCU type storytelling, there's not, I don't feel like they're bound by some kind of, of formula to to do that sort of very like one, two, three, step-by-step origin story. Uh, because they've really, I mean, that's one of the things that the MCU has been really good at is to sort of kind of breaking the mold for how you do a superhero movie. There's so many different ways of doing it. There's so many different ways of introducing a character. Even And even though, of course, new characters will have some kind of origin moment to them, that moment doesn't even have to happen at the beginning of the movie or the show or whatever. It could be something through, you know, some flashback here and there, a memory, something that Matt tells some other character. It can just be gradually unveiled uh, in a way that I think feels more organic than just sort of like the simple ABC standard formula from 20 years ago. Um, I think we've kind of evolved beyond that. I think less important than his origin story. I don't think people care how Matt Murdock got his powers. 
I think what requires time and effort and delicacy is defining his powers, showing what he can do, showing what he can't do, defining the character and sort of explaining that. Because I feel like it's a confusing power. I mean, you know, it's not, you know, oh, he's got super strength. It's not, oh, you know, I mean, he feels micro vibrations. You know, it's, it's, it's a hard sell to some people that he can do what he can do without having some sort of greater superpower. So I feel like they don't need, I mean, like, who cares if he got that superpower from radioactive liquid in his eyes, if he got it at nine years old or 12 years old? I think what is important is giving people time to meet the character, see his strengths and weaknesses, and that that is something that is a small value to me in him being introduced in the universe in cameos or a, or a possible detriment. You know, if he's just popping in and there for a couple of minutes in a property or for a couple of scenes in a property and you're not really getting any chance to learn anything about the character, I think it would be a waste. But maybe with all of these cameos, they can establish he really is blind. You know, he really cannot see. He actually has ninja skills, He, you know, and just sort of grows that so that when he does have his own property, which we're we're just hoping that he does have his own property you can learn more deeply about those skills but i think i think knowing his skills is far more important than knowing how he got those skills yeah i agree um and i think on that uh on that point i think it it's the first step though for the creators in conveying what he can and can't do is for them collectively like the creative team the you know the showrunners or the equivalent like the writers the directors and the actors all need to have a common shared view of what it is he can and cannot do. And I occasionally felt during the show that that wasn't the case. And it's always, I mean, this is <laughs> my hobby horse. It's a whole daredevil science thing where I feel that uh, with a little bit of, you know, sure, you need some some uh, magic fairy dust on top, of, uh, <laughs> on top of some of this stuff. But daredevil is one of the more explainable uh, character, superhero characters that are out there. And uh, you don't need all that much like magic and just sort of hand-waving yada yada uh, past some of this stuff um, as you would for for a different kind of character. Like if you're, you know, Kitty Pride from the X-Men, like she can face three walls, which is like, no, you can't. So, I mean, don't even bother trying to explain that. You're just going to have to buy it. You know, it's a part of the premise but I think for for a character like Daredevil, there really is there are good ways of like consistently portraying the characters in ways that are not bonkers, and um, I would um, I would love to see more of that. And Marvel, you are welcome to hire me. Hire her. It worth the money. Christine is available as a consultant. Yes. Yes, I know. I'll I'll, I'll do it for free. You know, like I'll pay you money to do it. No, but but joking aside, I mean, I really think that it, it like so much could be gained from the creators themselves actually having a shared a view of, of what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, what is too much, what is too little. Um, and uh, so that is, but that's also, I mean, from a personal point of view, my biggest fear is that they're going to screw it up worse. Because I thought like, like the, the show, 
it's got some some issues, but I mean, generally, it does better like than like the comic book average in in most ways. Uh, it, it does, but I'm worried they're going to screw it up. Uh, so um, that's kind of a one of those worries that I would have. So there, again, it's like there's an opportunity to do it better, but there's yeah, there's a risk that that it might not uh, be as good as it could be. So and it's like that I think with other aspects of the character too, where we've talked about tone and so on uh, earlier, and what it, what would it mean to be maybe appearing as a character in like a show that has a, a different rating than the show we uh, we all knew and loved. I think one thing that keeps me from being scared in that regard is that they're keeping the same actor. And we're just assuming all the rumors are true for the basis of this discussion. Um, you know, that, that, you know, in this world that we're talking about where it's a soft reboot, they would have the same actor. And we know that nobody knows this version of the character better than Charlie. So unless, like, he agreed to certain massive changes as he came on board, I feel like he would speak up, you know, if they had Matt flying a jet into space, you know, hearing the absence of heartbeats to know what direction to go and uh, sensing the horizon line on the plane and stuff like that. I, I think Charlie would speak up and and say, you know, yeah, I know that was in the comics, but I don't think this Matt can do it. I have some faith in that regard. I actually, there are some things that have come up in the comics that I would love to see an example of. And that is to remind everyone that, yes, he's blind. Um, I remember one where he had to defuse a bomb and he was told, cut the red line. He was like, oh, crap. And he he didn't know what to do. There was another one when Ben Urich handed him some photographs and he had to go, oh, crap. I, you know, I can't see this. It would I think it would be cool to have a couple of reminders of that to be like, no, he can't see. You know, not not in the way you and I can. He does have limitations. His enhanced senses do not entirely give him vision. Oh no, there was there was a great one uh, of him with She-Hulk in San Francisco. Like they're sitting on top of the Golden Gate Bridge, and she's talking about how beautiful the sunset is, and he's like, "I'll take your word for it." Which you know, if he shows up in She-Hulk, and if they're on the West Coast, we could get some semblance of that exact scene. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there there were a lot of uh, good moments in the show too where it it was sort of it wasn't like directly stated, but there were lots of moments where like he's having Claire read like a text from a phone he found that doesn't have any accessibility apps or anything on it or um has doesn't have that on uh and things like that. So so yeah, there is that, but I think there there's also like a, enough people do not get that he is meaningfully blind, that they probably should do a little bit more just to address that. Because like, I guess some people are, are kind of dense. Sorry, people. So uh, I mean, that that would be nice. But again, I think key to all of this is having for everyone behind the scenes as a kind of a shared view. But uh, yeah, I mean, we are, I think we're about ready to kind of uh, get to the end of this conversation, but maybe just first uh, talk a little bit about what is most dear and precious to us uh, going forward and what is it uh, that we uh, don't want to let go of. And this is, I think, the time when we, you know, yes, we're a campaign. We're also individuals. So we're going to have our own feelings about this. My personal feeling is that they can ignore anything they want as long as they don't contradict anything. 
That's where I, I, that's my personal line in the sand. If Ben Urich walks in and goes, hi, everyone, I'm going to be furious. You know, I, I don't want them to, to do something that directly contradicts. If they never want to mention Ben Urich again, um, or mention that they had a relationship in the past, I'm more okay with that. So that's just me. I think some of that core group is what is precious. You're foggy, Karen. I mean, in a perfect world, I do it. The Ellison and Brett Mahoney, you know, that that's the written richness of the world that they've created. I think it's, you know, I, I have no idea what, you know, if, if we will get that. So I don't know how precious that would be to to Marvel Studios. But I do think it's precious that Matt has a network around him. You know, like one of his things is he tries to be such a lone, you know, lone survivor, you know, responsible for himself, but he needs his network. He needs people to lean on. Like when I look at the comics and the comics that I'm least satisfied with, they're the ones where he tries to go out and be Matt Murdock, Matt Murdocking, rather than somebody with a rich network of people around him you know whether it's kirsten mcduffie or you know other characters i mean i desperately want eldon and deborah back in the series and i think everybody that's here wants that i i I think they were fantastic in their roles so if you're not going to give us deborah and willis karen bring in somebody else make her kirsten mcduffie don't give us a new karen i think i'm with you on that christina you know like you know, don't don't recast. Use that richness of the different networks that he's had, and don't recreate some of these things that we've grown to love. Bring in Mila Donovan and have her played by a blind woman. That would be amazing. That would be very cool. Yeah, I don't think I think you both nailed it. So I don't have uh, much to add uh, on that front. I think in terms of tone, I think it, it's important to stay within the the kind of range where he and the other characters are recognizable to us as themselves. However, I also, and especially as a a fan of the comics, Daredevil does have range. Uh, He's had periods of his life where he's been slightly more upbeat, somewhere he's been more depressed. But if the the writer is good and can get to the core of the character, he will still feel like the same character. It's like how real human beings are. We have off days and we have days where we're feeling kind of quirky. And I mean, for me, it's not, um, Daredevil has had, Periods like that too, and you don't have to go back to the Silver Age and Stan Lee to find it. You can find it more recently, and if it's done right, it's it's just like you get to see you know slightly different aspects of the same character, but it's still the same character, the same way, the same person can go through different you know phases in their life. So so yeah, um, that's that's kind of my take on that. Do we have any uh, final words? <laughs> I just want to address uh, the people, and I've seen it a couple of times. People come up with this idea of Marvel has to do a hard reboot. They can't do a soft reboot. If they do a soft reboot, it's going to push people back to watch the first three seasons on Netflix, and Marvel will never do that. And to that, I say that ship has sailed. Every day on social media, every day I see someone who says, hey, you know, I heard this rumor that Charlie Cox was going to come into the MCU. So I decided to go watch the Netflix Daredevil and boy, is it good. So that's happening already. So I don't think that that's even a consideration. I I don't buy this. They have to do a hard reboot. A soft reboot is completely doable. 
Agreed. And I also just want everybody, I mean, these are all rumors. Like, there are so many rumors out there that are that are from sources that have a great track record. There are rumors out there from sources that have no track record. And there are some rumors that we can't even find the source. So I, I think at this point, you know, we'll know more. We're less than a month from spider-man coming out so soon we'll know how accurate that rumor is there's going to be other series coming out um hopefully we'll know more every day as things move forward but i don't think if you're getting distressed or down on the campaign or down on the whole idea because of these rumors take a deep breath read some of the comics and see how they rebooted him or something like that and don't let it stress you out I have faith that Charlie in the role will keep it true to the character that we have grown to love. Those are great final words. Thanks, guys. And uh, to all of you out there, you know, of course, don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Renew Daredevil on Twitter. We are Save Daredevil pretty much everywhere else. We are on YouTube. We are on Instagram, Facebook. You know, you can find us everywhere. And we have a website. So... Uh, and uh, let us know what your thoughts are on this topic, and um, we look forward to being back with you soon with another episode of Talk Daredevil. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. For more information on Save Daredevil, please visit our website at savedaredevil.com. Remember, Murdoch's always get back up.